The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're the man that saw her before she was murdered? Yes, I was the one who seen her in the restaurant there at the truck stop. And then I seen her get into the cab over truck as it was late in the parking lot. This is Bruce Jenkins. In April of 1985, Bruce was working as a shift manager at Union 76 Truck Stop in Kentucky. The red-headed woman we are discussing is known as the Knox County, Kentucky, Jane Doe, and he was the last person who saw her alive. When you saw her, and I know this was a long time ago, so I know that she's working on memory, but when you saw her, did you notice that she looked scared? What was your impression? But to be honest, I was managing the truck stop at the time, and the waitresses come over and Got me and said, we've got a lot less of oh, that's more or less a prostitute. So I went, I asked him, I said, what is she wearing and everything else? And they told me. So I went out back and stood outside and looked through the window to watch her. She was sitting at a table by herself. He was talking to other drivers. One guy got up, walked over, and laid some money on the table. And then roughly about five minutes went by. She got up, grabbed the money, and went towards the front. And I thought, okay, she's fixing to make her move, and I'll catch her over at the side when she comes out the side door. So when I went around to the side waiting on her, she went out the front, and I noticed the back end of a cab over truck. 
sitting on facing the road. I don't remember the lasting plates because on the Cowboys, they always had the plates on the front. It was a brutalist looking color that I could tell. I couldn't tell you what makes it was or anything, but she went over. She had a small denim bag. I think she had some clothes in it. She opened the door. She threw that in. She climbed up in the truck, got the door, and then they left the lot and turned left, heading towards Barbara That was the last time I seen her. The vehicle that you're describing, is that a truck? Yes, back then they had what was called, it was trailer length clearance, okay? You could only be so long out there on the road. That's why they had to, they had just come out with the 48-foot trailer, and to be under that limit of lengthwise, you know, that's why they had the cab overs. And it was a couple of years later, they finally done away with those and went to the conventionals, that's the long nose track. Did you guys get any type of description from the man that was seen giving her the money? He was nondescript, okay? The best I can remember, I think he had, like, black hair. Um, he had on a denim jacket, blue jeans. I couldn't tell, you know, if it was boots or anything. Someone wanted to tell me that, yeah, it was boots. The shirt was brownish in color. That was about all I can remember him. How often did you guys come into contact with prostitutes at that place? About every night. So it was a common occurrence. Yeah, it'd either be they come into the restaurant and the waitresses knew what they were, and I'd have to go over and tell them, hey, we don't care if you're sitting here eating. Just don't be trying to hassle the drivers. Some of them are just wanting to come in here and eat and then leave. And others, I've had to go out on the lot and if you've got a 300-pound truck driver sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning, our big bitch and tell me to either get her or he's going to kill her. And then i got to go out there and find her and get her and take her across the road, set her out at the pile and say, well, you want to her all you want, just not over there because you're aggravating the drive. How did you find out that she was found in the fridge? Like, how did that whole thing come about? When the state trooper approached me in the parking lot. Two nights late, he was dressed in plain clothes, and he come walking up. He asked me, he said, do you remember a red-headed girl that was here two nights ago? And I said, yeah. And about that time, he pulled his badge out and identified himself as a state police officer. What his name was, I couldn't tell you, but he started pulling that picture. And he said, is this the girl? And she was laying on the table. She was already dead. And I said, yeah, that's her. That's who I seen getting in the truck. And they took all my information off. Were, like, how shocked were you that happened? Was it common for prostitutes to be hurt at the truck stop later on? Was that something that you heard about? Oh, I left like a year or so after that. Yeah, I went to Georgia and went to work down there. Anything happened after I left, I couldn't answer that for you, honestly. But I know that time I was there. The only time that any prostitutes got hurt was whenever they would fight each other at the front parking lot. Your interaction with the police officer, that was the only interaction you had. Is that correct? Yes. How far away would you say Barberville is from that truck stop? Between 11 and 15 miles. Where she was found from the truck stop was like 8 miles. So it was pretty quick to get to? Yeah. Halfway between Oregon and Barberville was where she was found at. What if it was a pull-off that the state makes off the roadways to where 
let's say that they're going to be doing work in that area, then they've got a place where they can pull their equipment off. They're not getting into the woods or anything. They're just pulling off a little bit. And yeah, we're not, that's notorious around here. You know, people taking refrigerators, couches and stuff and just finding places like that. That's a man. Do you think that he just happened to find that fridge down there or do you think that he had it with him? No, uh, it was a, from my understanding, it was a fairly large refrigerator. And I'd say that somebody had thrown it out when he just happened to find it. Yeah, I think that I share that theory as well. If you would have cut her off in the beginning, I know that you thought that she was going to go out the side door and she ended up going out the front. What was your normal reaction when you stopped her? Would you tell them to leave or what? I would have talked to her, hey, is this what you're doing? I would have asked her several questions as to what she was doing there at the truck stop. Yeah, talking to drivers. And yeah, it was common to find people there that didn't chit chat. That's what she did. Yeah, if I had stopped her and if that's what she had told me that she was trying to find her a ride out of there, I wouldn't have done nothing else. But if she told me that it was working, then I would have asked her, you know, hey, would you care just to go across the street? So maybe that interaction could have saved her life. Yeah, very If fun. she would have went out the side door. Yes. It was around 2 a.m. when Bruce says he saw the red-headed woman getting into this man's truck. Six hours later, on a rarely used dead-end dirt road between Kentucky 233 and the J&G Market on U.S. 25 East, two men were scavenging around a dumping ground that was used to dispose of garbage. This spot was also known as a spot for high school students to party because it was a bit secluded, but easy to access. The men came across the refrigerator. It was an older model, White Admiral. With the goal in mind to salvage the fridge for parts, the men opened the door, and inside were the remains of a woman lying in the fetal position. She was nude, wearing a pair of white tube socks and two cheaper gold necklaces, one with a puffed gold heart and the other with a gold eagle. Officers immediately taped off the dirt road, while detectives gathered clues and took plaster casts of tire tracks. A pair of women dress boots with three-inch heels were found about two miles from the scene, but it is not known if those boots belonged to this woman. There were no indications that the woman was local. Upon a later investigation, a lead was discovered that someone was hitchhiking and had asked for a call over the CB for a ride to North Carolina. Detectives believed that this woman may have been from out of state. The Knox County Deputy Coroner, Jerry Garland, stated that she was between 25 and 32 years old. He also mentioned that she had not been struck in the head and she had not been dead for more than seven hours when she was discovered. A later examination showed that there was no bruising or gunshot wounds. The refrigerator had new scratch marks and a clump of dirt lodged under the handle. It was believed the dirt by the handle would have been washed away by the previous day's rain. The woman is described as 5 foot 5 inches with reddish-brown shoulder-length hair, hazel eyes, and freckles. She had a mole on the right side of her neck and she also had a birthmark, a little larger than a silver dollar, on the lower calf about three inches above the ankle. 
she also showed signs of stretch marks, indicating that she had at least one child. Local sources have said the fridge had been lying upright with the door open until the morning before Bruce saw the red-headed woman at the truck stop. It is believed that the refrigerator was there prior to the murder and was not dumped with the lady inside at the scene. The Jane Doe was given a proper burial by the residents of Barberville, Kentucky. One woman at the funeral held in the town stated, quote, Someone out there knows this woman. That woman has a family. Hopefully, she will be identified soon. For more than 32 years, the Knox County Jane Doe remains nameless. But all of that could be about to change. Hi, how are you guys? <laughs> We're good. We're so glad to talk to you, to meet you finally. Yeah. You're, I think you're really brave. I think I'm strong in a sense, but I think I've always just been that way. I was built. Where were you born? In Spindale, North Carolina. Okay, but you sound very... I was actually born at home because my mom wouldn't go to the hospital. Oh, my God. And our sheriff at the time, he delivered me. Get out of here. Are you kidding? And see, he just recently passed. I did, once I seen these post-mortem photos and seen, like, some of her arrests, he was the sheriff at the time, so he would know. So I called him, but I had to make sure I could because he had, like, a minor heart surgery. And I wanted to make sure his health was up to par before I showed him something like that. And he said he was fine to see it. So I sent it to him and he said it looked like her. On the phone with Gemma Hoskins and myself is Elizabeth Regina, or as her friends call her, Red. Elizabeth believes the Knox County Jane Doe is her mom. And since late 2017, she has been waiting for DNA results to come back. But my dad that raised me is actually my stepdad. Me and my oldest brother are stepchildren. The four in the middle are by my dad and her mom. He raised me, I guess, more or less adopted me. But before I was born, the other kids had all got adopted out. So I think there were some issues like going on with my mom because the last three of us are named out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say it was a court issue, but like my grandpa and like my mama's brother, I don't know if y'all are familiar with it. I don't even really know if it's a court, but there's this church called House of Yahweh that's in Texas. And it's like you go and you don't talk to nobody. You just come. Almost like a word of faith type of thing. But my mama has a brother that's actually there. I never met. He probably doesn't know what's going on. But I think they was like pushing a lot of that on her. Mm. And then like how my dad came to not be my biological dad. Um, she stayed at home all the time with the kids. He worked all the time. I can't say that. He would work, come home and go do some more work. He was just never there, really, and... 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. My biological dad's sister was good friends with my mom's. And they all lived in the little circle because we lived on like a mill hill. We like had our textile mills. All the little houses around it looked similar. And they would all, my biological dad just paid her some attention. I guess that's the only way I know how to say it. He paid her some attention. She ended up getting pregnant with me. My daddy still stayed with her. How many times she's seen him outside of that, I don't know. I do know she's been in Broughton several times. She's been in Dorothea Dix, which is tore down, is now like Carolina Regional. It's in Raleigh. I always wondered who would have put her there. Could her parents put her there? If she was married, would it have to have been my dad? What kind of place you know, is that? Never, they're mental hospitals. Okay. They're mental your hospitals. Mom, your mom was there for a while? She's been there a couple times. I can't say for sure it violates HIPAA. If me personally, even though I know that she's been there, I can't call and be like, hey, that's my mother. Can you give me their service dates or her diagnosis or anything like that without a death certificate? The police, on the other hand, they can subpoena that stuff. I wish they would because I feel like before she came to Kentucky, I feel like she had to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like It was a time frame of where she was at. You know what I'm saying? A timeline yeah, was very helpful, but they, they also, haven't done it yet. It would also be helpful to know the reasons why she was there. I remember was. my aunt. When I say my aunt, because it sounds because let me see if I can explain this, because it sounds it's confusing to me. My mother had me with my aunt brother, which is my biological, it's like a set of brother and sister had kids or got married by another set of brother and sister. So when I say my dad, I'm talking about the man that raised me, not my biological. When I say my aunt, I'm talking about my biological daddy's sister. And her kids are like double first cousins. Like we're about the closest thing you could get to full brother and sister too. So but, do you know who your biological father was? You don't know who he was. Yeah, I know him. I still speak to him. We don't have a great relationship. It's not like we wake up or every Sunday we go over there and eat. You know what I'm saying? It's just a every once in a while type of thing. He loves my kids. You know what I'm saying? He wants to know what happened to everybody wants to know. What's so crazy 
even Spindale was small. Like we have Spindale Forest, Rutherfordton, and when I tell you, they're like two minutes in between each little town. Like Rutherford County is very small. Uh-huh. People are nosy here. It's a small town friendly. I call it small town nosy. Everybody knows everybody's <laughs> business. So how could they not know? Like I really think the count, the sheriff's office just didn't do their job. So Elizabeth, your mom like just disappeared a couple weeks after you were born. She this is how I was told. I was told she my dad was at work. He worked for the town of Spindale. He'd come home every day on his lunch break. He, she would have his lunch ready. She knew exactly what time every day he would come home. So he came home one day. The kids are gone. I'm there, red, crying, like soaking wet, just, you know, she was nowhere to be found. And I was probably about three weeks old. And my daddy got me, and he took me to my aunt's house. He took me to my biological father's sister's house. Like, they always, even though he knew that I wasn't his biological, like, he still allowed them to be a part of my life. Because I thought he knew. But you know what? It's weird, too. All of us have red hair, except for Sam, who was the baby at the time when they had all got adopted. So my mom's sister adopted him, and the Uh other three went to a family. They all got adopted together. But see, they all knew each other. I didn't even know I had siblings until I was probably my son's age, like 11 or 12. Uh And then I got to meet him. Then didn't know he wasn't my real dad until I was maybe 16. Wow. Yeah. So your older brother... I never, you asked me a question earlier about my grandparents. My dad, they were passed away before I was born. I've never met them. Mm -hmm. And then my mom's mom passed away years ago. I never got to meet her. And then, like I said, I just got to meet my grandfather who just recently passed. He passed Mm -hmm. in December. I don't know. I know she's been arrested for solicitation more than one time. I know she was arrested for trespassing. She had court here. The day they found her body, April 1st of 85, the witness stated that he had seen her the previous Thursday in the paper. On the phone, he said that was the only time he had seen her, was at the truck stop. But in the paper, he seen her the previous Thursday, which would have been March 28th. And she had court here. So she was in Corbin on the TV. She was probably trying to get back here to get to court that's what I'm guessing because by this point the kids were already adopted out she just disappeared which actually we found out that she was still around we just don't know where and I wish I had the police records in front of me so I could give you an exact date but I had went to Spindale Police Department and got a copy of her arrest record the last one in there she had got arrested February. Mind you, we thinking that she had left three weeks after I was born, so maybe April, almost May. She had got arrested. I want to, what was the date? I can't remember the date. 
almost 10 months after I was born. It was like 10 or 11 months after I was born. And I was like telling my auntie, I was like, wait a minute, where was she at? Like, she was still here, but where was she? And my mom and my dad and my sister, they never drove. Back then, kids worked pretty much. They didn't really, some went to school that were fortunate enough, but some didn't. They were poor, so they had to stay home and work and stuff. My mom, I believe, only had fourth grade education. She couldn't have been able to read the signs to know where she was going unless it, it, it was familiar. Do you know what her court date was for? For trespassing. And I don't know if my daddy had her trespass from the house or what exactly it was for. I just know it said trespassing. I don't have the papers in front of me, but I remember the date in the paper. The witness has stated he had seen her that previously because I have actually started me a timeline and I had to go back like from the first all the way back to what he said the previous. And I was like, that would have been March 28th. And then on the phone, like, he, like her clothes were different. The time was different. He said that was the only time he'd seen her. Like the paper. He's got a day. He seen her that night and the previous Thursday. Like on the phone, he says she had some kind of like a overnight carry bag. Maybe had a drawstring. When you leave hospitals, you have a bag, something like that, that has a drawstring with your stuff in it. So that's why I want the service date from Broughton because Broughton would be closer because that's in Morganton. I wouldn't believe it would have been the one in Raleigh because that's four hours the opposite way from me. If I was coming to you guys, it would be the opposite way. So I'm really thinking at least the last one. Who picked her up? Did she make a phone call? Who did she call? Who picked her up? Was she mm-hmm. sane enough to leave on her own? And did they even let people leave on their own back then? You know which hospital you were born in, right? I wasn't born in the hospital. I was born at home because she wouldn't go to a hospital. Oh, I see. So she didn't disappear from a hospital. She just disappeared no, from No, she, she left from home. My aunt thinks maybe, like I said, she knew he come home every day from lunch. Maybe she had already planned it in her mind. I don't lost my other kids. I'm just going to leave her, too. I'm just saying it's a scenario because I've thought of any and everything. It's a possibility. It could have happened. She could have been distraught, post-mortem. She just couldn't do it no more. Lost all her kids, and here she is having another one. She probably felt like she didn't deserve me. I don't know. So he comes home. She's not there. She knows he's coming there. She could have hid in the woods. For all we know, just to watch, to see that I was going to be okay, that he came home. And once she's seen that he was home, then maybe she left. She could have left on her own. Did she have brothers? Then again, huh? Did she have brothers and sisters? Yeah. I don't know where they were all at the time. Like I said, her brother, a couple of her brothers and her mom and dad, like, from what I heard, they, like, try to push that Yahweh crap on her and her being pregnant like six kids i'm 30 i'm about to be 34 and i have four i had my first one when i was 18 she got married to my daddy when she was 18 he was 27 and at 18 she already had kenny my older brother the other step child like i couldn't imagine having six at 28 and we're to back to back Mm -hmm. because literally like Two, two and a half years in between us. 
So when you were born, your mom, you said that your mom already had her other children adopted out. Is that right? From what I understand, yes. And Kenny was the oldest at that time. He was maybe 11 or 12. And then it goes down. Like 11, maybe 8, 11, 9, 7, such and such like that. Like the younger two, like Israel, the oldest three probably remember like Kenny, Robert, and my sister Bobby. They probably remember more. They don't really talk about too much. Have your like siblings and your dad looked at the pictures that you've looked at? And what do they think about? about My siblings have seen them. They think that it's her. Here we asked Elizabeth if her stepdad knew about the Jane Doe. And she told us that she hasn't told him. She mentioned that he will be turning 70 soon and she isn't sure how he would take the news. Maybe he never left. Maybe he did love her and they just had problems like most marriages do and he just never moved because he always thought she was coming back because she always did. Who knows? How did you guys come about that specific Jane Doe case? Like, how did this whole thing come about with submitting DNA this happened, and that whole process? I swear Easter and Friday the 13th are just significant days. It was Friday the 13th of last year in October, Friday the 13th. My aunt, she plays her games. Like, we've always been into, like, Unsolved mysteries, criminal minds, bones, forensics, anything that's got to do with any criminal activity. We've always been into it. And like Facebook, certain pages that you go to, they'll suggest like other pages you may like. She was playing her game and she seen up in the corner of her computer, it said pages you may like. It's really just God placing it there. I guess he said it. I don't know. But she clicked on it and it was the unidentified and unclaimed people page. Instead of going ahead and joining it, she just went to the photos part of it. And at that time, that picture post-mortem photo was near the top. Now, if you go, I mean, there's so many people that are missing in the season. It's unreal how many people and nobody knows nothing. It's crazy. But she went to the photos. She was scrolling. And it something just, I don't know, just told her, like, she was like, oh, my God. And even before, she told Chris, the he's the criminal analyst that reached out to me from KST. She told him, do not call Elizabeth. I don't want to post this. I don't want her to see it until I know for sure. <laughs> and she was like, on it. He did it anyway. He had messaged me on Facebook the 14th of October the next day, and I thought it was a joke. I screenshot it, and I sent it to mine. I was like, why is he doing this? Is this for real? And she was like, yes, it's for real. She would have never, if she would have had any thought that it wasn't her, she would have never done that. But she, like, clicked on the photo, comes up the name of information, like the age, the date, the height, like, she's actually shorter than me. And just looking at her, she, and I was like, of all the pictures and things that you've seen over the years, does it look like her? Did you, like, feel something? And she said, yeah. 
She's, I know it's her. She said it. And if I didn't, she said, honey, I would have never even said anything about it. So that's how that came about. And she contacted the police there. And then they contacted me and set up for the DNA testing, which was the 24th of October. With, with so much time that had passed, what did you and what did maybe your aunt or brothers and sisters think could have happened to your mom after all this time? I think we just figured she moved on or died. Okay. 30 something years, that's a long time. No contact of any kind, like not a phone call, not a card, not a visit. When you watch criminal shows like we do, just some people probably do just up and leave and disappear. I, me personally being a mother and having kids of my own and I couldn't see myself doing that. I don't think she she could have willingly done that. I couldn't see myself packing my kids stuff and being like, here, I can't do it anymore. What do you hope happens now, Elizabeth? I'm hoping. Well, in my mind, just getting her name back and put on her tombstone, that's just a piece. That's a major piece. It's just piece. I really hope they do go on and to investigate. The only thing she was naked, the only thing she had on was like Mitch match socks, like two pairs of Mitch match socks, two necklaces, and the boots. Mm. So whoever Did you was in that truck. Recognized the necklace? Yeah. He recognized both of them. Really? Elizabeth told us her brother gave her mom a necklace that represented the mascot of a nearby school. The school's mascot was an eagle in flight about to attack, which is exactly what one of the necklaces found on the victim is. Gemma and I later followed up on this lead, and we did find this particular school's mascot is a perfect match. Elizabeth also told us about how her stepdad gave one of her brother's money to buy a necklace for her mom's birthday, and that necklace also matches with the second one that she was found wearing. They did report her missing, but the sheriff's office never filed it. She was a prostitute, who cares, blah, blah, blah. They probably also Um, didn't like the fact that she traveled around a lot. Yeah, so I, I see what you're saying because they probably see her as a transient type of person, mm-hmm. and at that time they probably I think she looked has at some it like. I think she has some schizophrenia going on too, because like I said, my dad's sister, my aunt, her and my mom was good friends. They were like best friends, and she said one day she would rub her hands together. You know how like when you're washing your hands, how you do your she would do that. She would wear, like, long coats in the summertime and shorts in the wintertime. Like, she just wasn't herself. How far away did you say this lady was found from your town that you lived in at the time of your mom's disappearance? Like, from where I lived to where she was found? Yeah, at the time we were born. Yeah. On Google Maps, from here... To Barberville, I think that's what I had put in there. I had sent that to you. I think it said it was almost four hours. 
It was like three so hours. That would be a very minutes. long drive. For yeah, someone from that area. Knowing all the things that your dad has told you, your aunt, your siblings, can you think of any reason why anyone who was around your mom would have wanted to harm her at that time? No. No. Her tombstone says unknown. So Carl was eating dinner one night. And there was a song, and he posted it to the group. He, there, there was a song that came on. The song, name of the song was I Got a Name. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.